Hey everybody, it's Ted Wynn. Thanks again for tuning in to Perspective with Ted Wynn. One of the goals of this show is to give people insight into areas they might not be familiar with. Our guest today is TV writer and producer Cooper James. He's done some work on HBO. He was a part of the team for the sitcom Hanging with Mr. Cooper and the Jamie Foxx show. Um, He will give us some insight, some perspective into what happens in the in the back room, if you will, that makes a show successful. I hope this will encourage young people who are trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives and give them an option, possibly uh, to something else that is out there. So many times we see people on screen. We see those people who have you know, the show named after them, the people who are the front people, and don't think about the huge team of support staff that helps to make these shows happen. So share this, if you will, with any young person who may be trying to figure it out, who might not want to be on screen necessarily, but might have a love for film, for TV, for animation, whatever that might be. I think that this conversation will be interesting to you, informative to you, and possibly helpful to the next generation coming up. Please enjoy our episode today with Cooper James. Today, everybody, we are having um, a conversation that I'm sure will be informative, inspirational, and amazing um, with a veteran television producer, um, a gentleman who has um, helped to create some very memorable moments in media, um, who is working on some amazing things right now, Cooper James. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on Perspective with Ted Wynn today. Um, How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be here. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Um, so I wanted to kind of just give the audience a little bit of background, like where you're from um, and how you got into uh, doing media, like TV specifically. Uh, I'm originally from New Jersey, and I, I, I probably, in terms of getting into media, I think... I often say I get paid to do what teachers in high school wanted me to stop doing, which is entertaining and then sort of being a, uh, a class clown. And um, so it's, it's I, I say that to say for really kids coming up mm-hmm. that if you have a vision Stick to it, but yeah. always be respectful and mindful that others may not have the same vision. Understand mm-hmm. what your intention is. And so because my senior year in high school, I played football and my senior year in high school, there was an English teacher, Mr. Dallas Herbert, who mm-hmm. has since passed away. He was the hardest teacher in the school. And for senior English, I did not want him. So I tried to get out of his class in every way possible. I went to my football coach. I went to my guidance counselor. I I went to my parents. And then finally, my mother said, well, why don't you want to take his class? And Mm -hmm. I said, well, because it's hard in his senior year and I want to have fun. And (laughs) she said to me, Oh, you're just lazy. <laughs> you're just uh, being lazy. Uh-huh. And she said, "No, you're not getting out." And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because wow. in that class, he was really one of the first teachers, but definitely the more uh, influential teachers mm-hmm. uh, in terms of affecting me. And it was the first time that I was able to connect what I was learning in school. Mm with being able to see how there was a direct pathway to a career because some of his other students had gone on from his class and through college and then had become writers. I think one had worked at the New York Times. And I was like, wow, I looked at these desks in the class and I thought, wow, okay, it makes sense. And he allowed me to be me. I had to complete the writing assignments. And at that, after that, I was confident in my writing because I had passed his class <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and not that I didn't think I could, it was just that mm-hmm. my focus was someplace else. And so as a result of that, when I got to college, uh, I went to Rutgers, 
got into college mm-hmm. and writing was a breeze. I could write a paper the morning of the class. And once I had that confidence, I then took that mm-hmm. and I ended up doing stand up. And I was never mm-hmm. afraid of writing. And so writing for television, I had that confidence. And so it's kind of different maybe, but it came from high school, you know, how I got into my path. What's interesting is like, because I mean, the, the audience is listening to this is, is varied in age and experience and stations in life. And so one of the things that I feel like is interesting is that I hear you saying, at least my takeaway is that as a young, uh, as a young man, a young black man, that you were given this space to express yourself creatively. Now that happens in a multiplicity of ways. It happens through songs, through poems, through hip hop, through a lot of ways. But I don't. I wonder how many, like, for you to take that particular path. Did you? Was there, was there any uh, person? Did you see that path? trotted by anyone else like before you you know what i'm saying like or or did you just kind of discover it through happenstance in college um i i think let me see um i think i knew i wanted to be in the entertainment i knew i didn't want to sit behind a desk and i knew Mm -hmm. that my mind just from my school experience I, i wasn't a desk person and so, sure. uh, so I felt like I had to find something. So I also studied at a conservatory in New York uh, acting program because I felt like I needed to understand all aspects of the business. And so behind the camera and in front of the camera. And so uh, as I moved into directing, I can speak to actors. And so. You know, I, I really, I, I think I had my own vision and I had yeah. faith and trust that I would figure it out because I knew I was determined. I'm not one to give yeah. up. And so, um, but once again, it goes back to, I had passed Mr. Herbert's English class, <laughs> you know, and it, it's ironic. I still, you know, I tell my kids today when they ask me questions, I go back to that. I still have his English book, which was a thick book and to mm-hmm. this day and because it really was so empowering in my life in terms of mm-hmm. for kids, I look and I say there's opportunity for kids in school that they don't realize how certain things can impact them down the road. Yeah. I think that's important. So, I mean, I think, you know, education in a multiplicity of ways, whether that's formal, whether that's, you know, doing self being self-educated, I think the point of it is that it's, it's valuable. And I, I remember doing a, a presentation at a school with some young boys at a school here called Best Academy in Atlanta, all boys school, and was talking about music business. And, you know, I, you know how it is when they fifth grade, sixth grade, kind of paying attention, kind of not. But at the end of the class, I started asking questions and so a couple of folks raised their hand and the first the first kid who got the question right, I gave him twenty dollars. So you can imagine what happened when I asked questions too, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they wanted forty dollars. <laughs> right. That's it. That's it. Here's the important thing, guys. Information always has value. So don't discard what you feel like might be important in a moment. So listening to you talk about you know, your your mom having the foresight to say, no, you need to be in this person's class. And then that being, you know, sort of a catalyst to move you into, you know, your career choices, I think is a really valuable moment. So as you got, if you go through Rutgers and you, you're doing this and you do stand up, I didn't know you did stand up. How was that? Like, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Stand up happened after college. And it was while I was in, while I was studying acting, mm-hmm. I was bored. And so I said, okay, I have confidence in my writing. Let me try some stand-up. And so I did stand-up for about a year. And and that's how I got to really writing comedy because I had confidence in my stand-up. And so when I moved to L.A. from New York, because I was living in New York after college, I, I just had confidence that I could figure it out because, once again, I had passed Mr. Herbert's English class. And and I think that yeah. when we look at society today, 
some of the foundations Mm -hmm. that are necessary, we don't embrace them because Mm. kids sometimes don't have the foresight. When I talk to my 16-year-old, he Mm -hmm. was trying to tell me something about driving. And I tried to tell him, I said, look, you've never (laughs) driven a car before. So how are you going to tell me that my analogy doesn't work uh, in this moment? You've never driven a car before. And so I think that social media technology is great, but it's emboldened kids in a way that they skip some of the necessary processes that is the foundation mm. that can help you actually build a career. And and because they're, they're going to be mm-hmm. tough times. I mean, I don't care who it yes, is. Yes. In whatever sure. profession you have, you will have your tough times. And what is your foundation? Yeah. So I think so having that hearing that seeing you going through that, you said that you I know that you went on to uh, move into TV and. Uh, worked at HBO, right? That was prior to the other shows you did? Right. So my first deal was with HBO, and that was with, uh, there was a show on at the time called Rock, and that was a deal with Charles Mm -hmm. Dutton. And it never came to fruition because Rock was Mm -hmm. canceled and he wanted to take the show in a different direction. He felt like it was a little bit too silly and he wanted it to be... he wanted it to be um, just a little bit more focused on probably some social issues, which I can appreciate, but that wasn't the show that they bought. And in, in mm. this industry, you sell a show to advertisers, they expect mm-hmm. you to deliver what they bought. And he yeah. wanted to shift it. And so it, it sort of went a little left. And so with HBO, being the company controlling rock when that went away, Mm -hmm. then HBO and that deal went away, but it was a great learning experience for me because it was a hit show for Fox. And when they got rid of it, I said, wow, okay, that means they get rid of anyone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when your, your job for that show was writing. Yes. I was going to write the show and create the show for uh, HBO. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that not panning out, what was that was that a challenge for you? How did you feel in that moment? I f- at first I felt upset because I felt mm-hmm. like he just blew my deal. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the first thing I thought. But that was after sure. and, and it was after I'd been paid. I was still paid for it. So Coming, moving to LA, mm-hmm. it gave me money, and mm-hmm. it it I had to say, okay, what's next? What's my next challenge? Mm-hmm. But I had money, so I could still pursue the writing and spend my days writing. And but it because HBO at that time was really hot, and so I felt like, wow, I'm an mm-hmm. HBO writer. They like me. And I can take this and really build my career and use it as a springboard. What happened as a result of that was because I was in the crosshairs of HBO, other people Mm -hmm. were looking at HBO's, you know, looking at this through their crosshairs. And so I ended up going on hanging with Mr. Cooper. So it was a blessing because... It was it was clean. It was a clean transition, and I just had to stay focused in the face of adversity. So, hanging with Mr. Cooper—that's the next situation. And then that show again. You're and so help people to understand for those who are not familiar with because I know what it means. Like, what is the process, or maybe your process for writing for a show? Like when you had to write for Mr. Cooper. What's the process of you? Is it just you? Is it a team of people? Do you guys have meetings? Like, how does that happen? So you you come into the season normally early and you break stories. And it's a team of writers. Normally it's around 10, mm-hmm. depending on the budget. Today with 
uh, alternative uh, distribution like Hulu, Amazon. Sometimes it's not as many writers, but traditional network TV is around 10 writers. So we come and we break stories mm-hmm. and you bring in your stories and we sort of figure out which ones we think we can sell to the network and the studio for the season. And once we do, mm. the ones that sometimes they're assigned, sometimes you can take the ones that you brought in and the ones that are approved, you have to then go mm-hmm. and break the story. You Sometimes you break the story, you break the story in the room with the other writers and then you do an outline. You get the outline approved mm-hmm. and then once it's approved, network and studio, you go and write by yourself. And then you come hmm. back into the room with the script. So you may go out for a week, two weeks, depending on which level uh, experience. You know, if you're a staff writer, they may give you more time. If you're a more senior uh, positioned uh, writer, you mm-hmm. may knock it out in a week. and Or you may knock it out in a week, but you may not take time out of the office because your responsibilities are too great. So you may just do it sort of after work or on the weekends. And then you return it. Then it's distributed to all of the writers. We make our notes mm-hmm. and we tighten it up as mm-hmm. much as we can. And then mm-hmm. we send it for approval to the network and studio. And then from there, mm-hmm. it's distributed to the actors, table read, they give notes. And then once mm-hmm. we get to the table read, the network and studio are there. They give us notes based on how it mm-hmm. sounds, make adjustments. And then that process yeah. is they're rehearsing, we're rewriting during the day and making notes. And then they get a new copy the next day. And you keep doing that until you just tighten it down and you record it mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the week. You know, that's I, I appreciate you giving that process, because one of the things I, I am I know is that a lot of people, uh, first of all, there are a lot of people who will be listening who wouldn't even know that was a job to consider. So one of the things that we are intentional about is exposing people to information, to personal narratives that people have just to let them know that there are more options than they might even know, because what people do is they see you know, the, the focus of, of, of the, the star of these TV shows um, when they see Hanging with Mr. Cooper, when they see the Jamie Foxx show. And a lot of, in a lot of people's minds, like, they think the, the actors have come up with all of the, the <laughs> monologue dialogue. Right. They don't even think about the fact that there are people who are sitting down, you know, pitching ideas, constructing these ideas, going back and forth. Like, and not that, not that some, and, and you can tell us if, you know, comedics like a Jamie Foxx or comics like those people do have, you know, like significant input if it's just a little bit and like kind of how that works. But I think there are a lot of people who were not even aware that this process happens when you see a lot of great shows that we've seen over time. So as you as you're going through that and then you transition, how does this transition happen for you to get to the Jamie Foxx show? In terms of working or in terms of record, I mean, uh, recording the show. Yeah, working, working. Okay, so so I mm-hmm. I worked uh, on hanging with Mr. Cooper, and Mark Curry's mm-hmm. manager, who is Marcus King, they liked my work. I wrote a script that Mark Curry really liked. Don Cheadle was in it, and it was a really good episode for the series for the network and. I I captured Mark's voice. I was probably on that show. I was the the young black writer on that show. So now it's at the beginning of my career. So I'm close to Mark Curry's age, probably. So I captured his voice. There was another senior writer there who's an exec producer, and Mm -hmm. I I guess I, I mean I just they had confidence in what I could deliver. And I became the go-to guy. And from there, when Jamie Foxx, after he finished, um, he was doing In Living Color, he needed a show. And so his manager put me with him and we started kicking around ideas and I got to know him and it just worked out. Mm -hmm. And I didn't create the show. I worked in developing it and just his personality. And so... 
Mm-hmm. For him, and for a lot of comedians, so when you have a comedian-based lead, right, a, a comedian who's a lead, a lot of times they have ad-libs, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily mean mm-hmm. that they're writing all of the jokes. Sometimes there may be just a word right. they add that makes it funny. They may be able to sell it a certain way. And then we have what we call joke alts. So if we record in front of a studio audience, we'll run it. If it doesn't mm-hmm. get the laugh we want, we'll run it back again, rewind it, run it again, and put a joke alt in. And so a lot of mm-hmm. it, it's always good to work with comedians because they have the ability to be funny. Not saying that actors don't, but yeah. there's they're used to being <laughs> on the stage um, in front of a live studio audience, and and so we try to work together because. Our success is all tied up in one in the same ball of wax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that that show, I mean, for a lot of people, I'm not sure. Some people may remember it. Some people may be, you know, kind of young. But I remember that show being. It was really funny. Like it was really well done, and I know it was on for a number of years. Um, like, what would you say were like some? Maybe an interesting, like a something really funny that happened while you worked on that show. You have like a memory that sticks out. Oh man! I mean, every week was something memorable because Fox is one of those guys <laughs> who he loves to party and he's going to have a yeah. good time. And we had a great writing staff. Yeah. I mean, some of the people who were on the show are like <clears throat> still at the top of their game. I mean, I was fortunate. When you look at Mara Brock Akil, who went on to create uh, Being Mary Jane, Girlfriends, which she created yeah. when she was on the show, uh, The Game, mm-hmm. and she's doing uh, Love Is. And so she was great mm-hmm. to work with. She was there one season. And uh, mm-hmm. let me see. Um, there was Larry Wilmore, who... Um, is funny. He had the Larry yeah. Wilmore show. Uh, Benny Richburg, who had a show. I mean, it was just a great... So every day was funny in the room just with those guys. Um, let me see. Memories. Yeah. Um, probably one memory that was... We, we recorded an episode at the beach and we did a beach episode and I knew going in this might not go well just because we had a lot of extras and we were at the beach and it was just the the team we had and the actors and then the friends who would come around. A lot of Fox's friends would hang around. I just thought the beach, bathing suits, women, I just don't think this is going to go well. I just, um, I was surprised actually that they actually approved it. Uh, and so, um, and then of course, sure enough, after we record the episode, the next day, we were all in the office and called in and Warner Brothers put us through a sexual harassment training, um, because it was, it was, you know, it was just, you know, we were young. I mean, we were all young and we had all this power and then another episode was that was fun was when we did a football episode with uh, Lawrence Taylor, um, Fred Williamson. Uh, um, let me see, who else do we have on that show? We had, um, uh, what is his name? He's a commentator now, Hall of Famer, went to Michigan, um, played for Oakland, um, defensive back. But, um, and then it was a couple other guys and it was just like those personalities. I thought, oh, wow, this is a lot, there's a lot of personalities in here. Um, so <laughs> we, we, we had some fun there, but it was, it was definitely, yeah. I would say we knew we had a certain responsibility because at one point it was an all black mm-hmm. writing staff and we knew sure. that there were people who were rooting for us to fail. Now, I won't say it was Warner Brothers, but I yeah. just we knew that we had to win and we had to deliver because we didn't want to let Jamie down or Garcelle or any of the actors, Christopher Duncan, um, Garrett Morris, yeah. any of those, because we were 
for all the years, we were the number one comedy on the show. The unfortunate part was as a result of being the number one comedy for the five year run, they moved us around to open mm-hmm. up a different night. So the audience always had to find us. Um, and so, mm. but there were a lot of great memories. So, so do you feel like having me having that as a, a reality, having at one point in all black writers room um, and, and segueing a little bit, like I know why you feel like that. I mean, I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Why do you feel like that was important then? And do you think that that is something that has gone away or are we seeing, you know, does it still exist? Is it more of it now in terms of diversity in those writing? Well, for us, I think, well, you know, when you get that opportunity, okay, Mm -hmm. you want to show up because you know that you want to create opportunities behind yourself, whether they're for you Mm -hmm. Or for someone else. And so the last thing we wanted (laughs) was for anyone at Warner Brothers to be able to say, see what happens when you put blacks in charge. Things get messed up. So we knew we had a responsibility and we took it seriously. And so when I see all the shows that are out there that have black leads Mm -hmm. or black writers or black creators i'm so happy Mm -hmm. to see that sure now we in terms of it it being it's very important because you want to control your narrative because the experiences that you want to write about are Mm -hmm. first-hand experiences and sometimes executives there aren't that many black executives in hollywood so when you right. sit down, sometimes it's just not their experience. It's not so much when people like to say, oh, well, the approach is racist. It's not so much that. It's just that sometimes they want to put their experience into a show because for them, it's also their yeah. show as an executive. They're saying, hey, I was the executive on the Jamie Foxx show, and these are the things that I was able to add yeah. to the show. So it's, when you, whenever you get creative, a lot of people want to add mm-hmm. their two cents into a certain thing. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. if you take LeBron, for example. LeBron wants to put together his team because he's the marquee player, because he wants to win. He knows that when it's all said and done, they're going to look at LeBron and say, yeah. well, LeBron didn't win. They're not going to say, well, J.R. Smith didn't win, yeah. you know, or... You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so LeBron is speaking right. for himself, and I get that. And so it's important for us hmm. to speak up so that we can get the images, present them in an authentic way. And so when you look at the success of Black Panther, you know, people say, well, yeah. I don't understand why it's such a big deal. Well, it's a big deal because it made over $400 million and people said you couldn't do it. It's the same energy yeah. as when Barack Obama won. It's like, oh, there would never be sure. a bl- black president. And so these images are important because it helps younger generations to aspire, I mean, you know, for higher aspirations. Mm-hmm. And so that, if yeah. you want to improve, right, you've got to have a target. And so we knew that if... Jamie Foxx show could be a success and we were the writers on the show even to this day when I meet Mm -hmm. people sometimes and I tell them the shows that I work on they say oh wow you know I grew up on those shows you know I know I'm dating myself a little bit but it's cool in the in the sense that (laughs) it's it's cool because they remember the episodes like my nephews they still watch the Jamie Foxx show so mm-hmm. um, I think you have to take pride yeah, in if you're going to do a job, do it well. Yeah, I, I think that's man. You said you you were right in my head because I, I definitely feel like you know talking about the importance of people who have certain experiences being in the room that create the content so that it is accurate, so that it is you know the telling of a story from a personal narrative um, is I think one of the things that 
gets lost sometimes when we're having these conversations. Because like you said, people just say, oh, well, they're just racist. And no, it's not, not necessarily is that the case. Maybe that is sometimes, but I think more important, most of the time I would venture to say it's just not people's experiences. You know, they're not trying to necessarily leave you out. They just don't have the experience to tell your story. And they really ain't thinking about your story. That's right. <laughs> they don't know it. And so I think it is important to have that. So with Black Panther, it is, I mean, it's a whole global cultural response because I mean, I have never seen a show that reimagined people who are from Africa pre without colonization. Like I've not ever seen that. It's not even something I ever even thought about. So to have that as, you know, part of a huge movie, I think it's just, I mean, I was I was looking at a show and uh, Holly Robinson Pete was on and she said every year for Kwanzaa, she and her husband, they celebrate Kwanzaa with their kids. They always, you know, make them wear kente cloth, whatever. And the kids hate it. They're like, mom, we don't want to wear that. She said, but she got a call or text from them, you know, when they were getting ready to go see Black Panther and say, hey, mom, where's our kente cloth, you know, outfit? <laughs> And she was like, well, first of all, y'all too big for them clothes. Now. But, but the fact that it has ignited a sense of pride in in a lot of people of color um, is, is really powerful. And so um, do you think that this will open up the door in terms of film and TV and other mediums for other shows that have you know, a, not just a black hat. I mean, I did the, I mean, these are black costume designers, black, like crew too. Like it was like in all of these capacities that you have these black people, do you think we will see more of that? I think if we embrace, if, if we take the approach of lifting as we climb. And what I mean by that is mm. not everyone's going to make it. Okay, we, you know, in in any Mm -hmm. race, not everyone's going to make it. But if we can take our best and we can put them at the forefront to lead the the charge and the proper decision makers, I'm hoping that we can continue the direction that we're heading with the success of Black Panther. I know there will be, I've read mm-hmm. that there will be a Black Panther 2, but I didn't have to read that because it made 400 sure. million, over 400 million in the first week. So we know it's going to make more. <laughs> so we know Hollywood likes money. And yes, not only does Hollywood like yes, money, sir. but people like money. So I think if the, yeah. the one thing I will say, and I'll, I'll just backtrack a second, when a lot of the black mm-hmm. shows went off the air. So when Fox was off, mm-hmm. when the Wayne brothers were off and Moesha, and it was just all of those shows disappeared. My biggest disappointment was that we lost some years developing talent because you have to develop mm. writers, you have to develop actors. So yeah. That was sort of a setback. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, an athlete. If if an athlete is in high school and he misses two seasons, that's a major setback in his career. And so for us Absolutely. as as um, um, people, a people in in this business, mm-hmm. we need to stay focused on. Lifting as we climb, because if we don't, you know, if you look at the older actors who have had success, Mm -hmm. now they're being hired because their craft is strong. They're being hired on these shows. They're being hired in these films because we know what they can do and we know the voice. And so I'm always happy to see older actors who may even come back as far as the black exploitation film period to see them working because we mm-hmm. stand on their shoulders. And if it weren't for them, I mean, some of my, mm-hmm. my earliest memories were of Flip Wilson, um, the black exploitation yeah. films. And yeah. so I know that when I see these younger kids and they say something to me, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, hey, you know, you watch my work. That's cool. 
And hopefully you have great success because maybe one day my kid wants to enter into the business and you can keep it going. So we have to keep it going. And I think we will as long as we find like Mm -hmm. not everyone's going to be a leader. And I know a lot of times we think that, you know, I had a dream one time and the dream was about decision making. And I realized when I woke up, my mm-hmm. wife was in the bed next to me. And I woke her up and I said to her, I said, sweetie, <laughs> I've made some bad decisions <laughs> in my life. And I can't tell you why yeah. I made those decisions. When I think back to being a kid, there were things that I would do, but I didn't think about mm-hmm. why I was doing them. And what that dream was about mm-hmm. is if I can make a good decision, maybe on the basketball court, right? It does not mean mm-hmm. that I can make mm-hmm. a good decision in the boardroom. And a lot of times what yeah. I notice is that we think because we make good decisions in one area that we do not need help in other areas. When if we receive the help with yeah. someone who makes great decisions in that areas, we could be more successful. We tend to isolate and say, I have it. This is yeah. mine. I'm doing it and I'm going forward and we waste our talent sometimes because sometimes we do need help everyone needs help (laughs) sure sure i I think uh man you said a lot i feel like um i almost feel like i want to pick up an offering for you man like <laughs> I didn't make no hey my citizen weren't that bad okay <laughs> but, <laughs> no 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 I feel like church like like lifting as we climb is such a powerful idea again I love this is why I love exchanges with people who have different experiences because as you, you will say things you will hear things that you've not thought about in certain ways and I think that's so that's just a teachable moment for us as a you know for us as a people group who are having still having first experiences. We're still saying the yes, first black, yes. whatever, right? Even 2018. And so I think it is important that we do think about ways in which we can build um, each other, you know, build ourselves, build each other and, and be helpful to each other. And that you're right. Everybody is not going to be Ryan Coogler. Like everybody's not going to have that particular role, but you know, the person who designed the costume, the, to your point earlier, like Jamie Foxx had a successful show, but that was in part to having a great team writers. Because if, if, if the content was crap, Absolutely. then the show wouldn't have lasted. And I think that's that's important for us to know that we that you don't have to have there isn't one position that defines, you know, who you are. Or, you know, it's not like you're not successful if you don't do this one thing. And, and, and as you said, to be successful. Uh, however people define that at one thing doesn't mean you need to do everything <laughs> on your own or, or be the front person in everything. So I just, I love that. Um, I want I do want to ask you another question before, before we wrap, like we are in 2018, as you know, and you know, when I grew up, it was NBC, Fox, ABC, CBS, you know, whatever the local cable access channel was. <laughs> but now we not only have, more networks than I can name as you can pull up on a television. We have mediums like YouTube um, that are existing, that are in existence rather. How do you feel um, outlets like YouTube have impacted traditional TV or do you feel like it has at all? These new outlets, how do they impact traditional television? My feeling is... I was blessed to get into the business at a time when there were a lot of black television from the Martins all the way through. So Mm -hmm. it was at the end of really the Cosby era and Cosby era had set up a nice foundation. And so in LA where Mm -hmm. I was living on the weekends, people were having so many barbecues who were successful writers and actors that it was one big party. Mm -hmm. It was almost similar to the experience after (laughs) the civil rights movement happened where people, you know, civil rights was settled and everyone had barbecues and, Mm -hmm. and, and that generation. And so now I like seeing that there's so many 
actors and writers who are doing things and coming together to work together. And it's not so much, you know, that crab in the barrel mentality. So I think, yeah, they provide an opportunity to inspire others to keep going because even though it may not be ABC or NBC, you still can get a paycheck and you can still hopefully get into the writer's guild. If the platform is big enough that it's sanctioned, I mean, covered by the writer's guild, which is important because that's how you get your health benefits. That's how you get your pension. So I always tell writers, look, you can write all that stuff on for social media, for Instagram, and you can make that money. Mm-hmm. Unless you're saving it, you still need mm-hmm. to have a pension. You need health insurance if you want to have a family mm-hmm. so you can have a career. Mm-hmm. And so I am inspired mm-hmm. that it allows more people, not only in front of the camera and in the writer's room, but you have cinematographers, mm-hmm. you have gaffers, you have behind the scenes. Yeah you know, what we call below the line uh, uh, personnel who have opportunities because not everyone's going to be the writer, director, Mm -hmm. producer, exec producer, but there's still opportunities for us to participate and even to grow into those Mm -hmm. roles, being closer to the fire. You want to get close as you can to the campfire because that's where the the heat is. (laughs) And so whether it's YouTube yeah. I mean, whether it's uh, Netflix, Hulu, you're close to the fire now. You're closer to the fire. So I think it's yeah. great. And and I think it only inspires others to say, hey, maybe it's not ABC, but it's Netflix. I mean, I just saw the other sure. day where Ryan Murphy made like some $200 million deal on Netflix. And then Shonda has a big deal. And so she's moved. So her moving, here's the thing, by her moving to uh, Netflix, that opens up the space for someone else to move to ABC, right? So Ryan Murphy moves, so it opens. So it's like, hey, okay, instead of access television show, it may be Hulu. Not that I'm comparing them, Mm -hmm. um, access, but I'm just sharing that people aspire to certain things and they may aspire to NBC and they may grab a hold of like a Hulu or an Amazon, which is still a great platform because they're at the award shows, they're winning awards and it raises your profile as a creator or actor or whatever it is. So wherever you find opportunity, it goes back to that dream I had. It's about making that right decision. So when I share that decision, yeah. I'm like, okay, do I need to bring someone in to help me? And I think for people going into the field, get close to someone who can help you and then build with them and then try mm-hmm. to make the right decision. Just because you made one right decision doesn't mean you can make them all. And if you make a mistake, accept responsibility and understand that there may need to be another leader, but hey, be on the bus. I always approach it this way, getting the right people on the bus and then getting those people into the right seat on the bus. Mm. So so you have that's good stuff, man. So you have these this outlets. We have these opportunities uh, that are, you know, have been expanded, like you said, because of media. What would you say to the kid, you know, who is, you know, who's got tons of followers or subscribers on his YouTube page or his social media who is creating content at home? Like, how do you feel like he or she levels that into something they monetize. Should they just stay there? Um, and I know there may not be one path. I mean, is that net, is that like stay here? Is that is that go to uh, you know Netflix? Is that go to well? I, I would say expand on it. I would also say, what is your goal? Right, have a strong goal and have the steps to achieving that goal. Because without a goal, mm-hmm. you're going to go left and right, whichever way the wind blows. Because if it's about money, then anybody can offer you money and it may not lead you to your goal. And so money is not necessarily mm-hmm. going to give you happiness. It can pay the bills, and I understand that part of it. But when you have your goals, you can better mm-hmm. determine 
the path you want to take, I wouldn't say give up that platform because you can exist on mm-hmm. multiple platforms. You can keep your Instagram account yeah. and you can use that gotcha. when you sell a show to Hulu or NBC and you can keep your fan base and direct them mm-hmm. to there and let them cheer you on. If you look at what Issa Rae was able to do um, with the adventures of Awkward Black yeah. Girl, I mean, that's right, the formula right there. I mean, she did yeah. it and and so look at that. and. But have your vision is is important um, for sure, uh, and then be uh, yeah. I think for I was going to say, and then be oh, willing sorry, to allow others to come in. Leave that extra parking space in the driveway so someone else can come and park their car in and and help you. <laughs> you know, you need that. You need yeah. you need help in the creative space. Period. Yeah, to your, to that point, for those who don't know, like awkward black girl started on. On YouTube, I think, and that show, you segue that into Insecure on on HBO, which a lot of people know about. And I see now there's a show called Giants. Um, I forgot the guy's name, J.R. Bland. I want to say I may be messing his name up, but he it's it's a short. It's like these short these shorts is what they call them on YouTube. I think he did six episodes, maybe on his own. I think between Atlanta and L.A. Issa saw it, I, I assume now it's on her platform. You have Jesse Smollett who's involved with it now. And to your point, like other people saw that he was providing, you know, valuable content and wanted to partner with him, you know, to exploit it more, to make it something bigger than than what it, you know, what it was at that particular point in time. So um, man, this has been really great. I, I really want to thank you uh, for your time, for your perspective just for the insight and information that I feel like you've given um, to a lot of people who are listening. And again, one of the purposes of, of our dialogues is exposure and information and inspiration. And I just think there are a lot of really young, talented people who are really you know, gifted, but sometimes don't know how to connect the dots, don't know what the next step is, don't even realize the value of what they have. You know, And so I think that your experience starting out in uh, more traditional, you know, network in network TV, and just giving them a base of kind of where you were, how you've done it, and embracing the new ideas that we have now, I think it's going to really be valuable to a lot of people. So, um, are you on social media? Can people follow you, um, connect with you that way? Yes, they can connect with me through uh, on Instagram through Shrinkwrap Media or at Shrinkwrap Media. And that's the best way. Uh, same f- for Twitter. Uh, I try, I don't really post a lot because for me, when I get into social media, I need mm-hmm. to be writing a script. So I try not to get caught up and spending so much time on, on social media. So I, but I, I do post occasionally uh, and, and I do, I, I watch what's going on out there. Um, and then, um, yeah, that's yeah. The, the best way uh, currently. And, and I would say to add to what you said uh, for your listeners is we have all the pieces to the puzzle. Mm-hmm. We have to have the patience to figure out how to put it together. And a lot of people sometimes just don't have the patience to mm-hmm. figure it out. They just want to jam. And my wife and my daughter, they were doing a puzzle the other day, and my daughter was just putting pieces in, forcing them in. <laughs> and, you know, it's just it's just not going to work like that. You just have to take the time and be patient and trust the journey and, and you know, work on your vision. Yeah, that's good. That's another quote. I, I, won't, I won't. I'll give you credit for them at least the first time. <laughs> All the pieces to the puzzle, just got to have the patience. And sometimes that is, you know, especially for younger folks, for millennials, like it older, is sometimes older patience. Older people too not, now. Let's not know. just get on the millennium. Older people too. What? People, you know, you, you're right. hey, you get out there you're on the right. road, you're exactly. some old people who just don't have patience, and they will run you off the road. I can always <laughs> tell the energy of a town when I go into it, right, if I fly into a town or whatever it is, I can tell how people are driving. I can tell you yeah. what's going on in this town, how people are driving. If they let you pull out and they have the patience to let you pull out and go ahead of them, 
Oh, this town is nice and calm. If they're going to run you off the road and blow horns, oh, no. (laughs) You sound like somebody who's from New Jersey, New York area. I've been to L.A. for a long time, and I go back and forth. And even in L.A., it's changed a lot. And and I think that, you know, it's two things. One, content is king. But the content of your character, yeah. right, a lot of times is more important. Mm. Yeah, I love that, man. Because they, <laughs> they will run you off the road, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> they will. I won't think about it. Um, so I, again, man, I, thanks for, you know, a great conversation. I do, again, I have um, a lot of respect for, for you as a person and for your work, uh, for you taking the time out to – you know, do as you said to lift as you climb, because I do think that this conf- this conversation and this information will help to lift some people, will help to give them some un- insight, um, will help somebody who, you know, who's feeling like I don't know what I'm doing or, I, you know, I don't have all the answers to 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 explore the ideas of putting other people on their team. Right. That that's something that I think that's a really po- important point you made that you don't you, you don't have to do it all. Like, you know, it's, it's better when you Im- involve uh, other people who are committed to making the vision come to you know come to fruition and and doing it in a way that's excellent um, and also just that we as a people will uh, any any person who's creating art right will will do it in a way that's excellent um, and something they can be proud of and something that will hopefully move people um, in one way or the other you know hope in positive ways but just you know some things make us laugh some make us cry some make us think some make us you know have uh, gratitude, like whatever it is that you're creating, that it will be excellent enough to accomplish whatever the task is. So again, uh, thank you for your time, man. Thank you for what you've, you've shared with us today. And I want all of those who are listening to follow you on uh, the social media platforms um, that you engage uh, <laughs> when you do. <laughs> um, and and we, we look forward to speaking to you at some point in the future. Thank you for your time. It was my pleasure. All right. Take care. Okay.